Chapter 7, Saturday Afternoon Fever, The Fantasy. And Hardy Marks, can he be the hero? 50 feet from goal on an acute angle. St Kilda are five points behind with only seconds remaining in what has been a glorious hard-fought grand final. They've come from five goals down in only 15 minutes. Can Collingwood lose from such a commanding position? The siren sounds. Hardy must kick accurately if the Saints are to collect the Premiership Cup. He scored 99 so far this season. Oh. Will this be the fairy tale finish? <laughs> the spectators are spilling over the fence. There's nothing the police can do at this point. Hardy lines up his shot. He kicks. And it's straight through the big sticks. St Kilda snatches victory. Hardy's kicked his 100. Chaotic scenes here at the MCG as the crowd invades the arena. I've not seen anything like it in all my time. They're chanting Hardy's name as he's chaired around the ground. Hardy, 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 Hardy. Hardly. Uh, Every child's backyard fantasy. Give me and my football a moment alone, and this was the scenario my imagination invented. It wasn't difficult. I knew the script sideways. Sometimes I went the whole way and I made the successful shot a banana kick. The banana kick is the Aussie rules equivalent of cricket's reverse sweep. Unreliable, risky, and attempted only by renegades or champions. The ball is held horizontally in the hand and kicked on the inner end, curving in a semicircle away from the body. To win a game with it would be the ultimate evidence of steel balls. To miss in the same situation, sporting suicide. Call me irresponsible, but I practiced banana kick until my feet bled. My feet actually bled one day, right? A poor percentage pierced the goal posts, but I never improved my performance from the almost impossible position of behind the boundary line, deep in a forward pocket. Achieving precision under such circumstances was pointless as the opportunity to take a similar shot in a real game almost never arose. Still, where was the fun in scoring six points by yourself from right in front? In fact, I practiced every key footy skill with equal gusto. I hung a tyre on our back gate and tried to handball through the hole. I took our totem tennis pole apart and swapped the tennis ball right for my oh. footy, swinging it around and taking marks from every angle. I tied one end of a long elastic string to a house brick and the other end to the laces of my Sharon, short passing it to a full stretch and then gathering the ball on the run when it rebounded. Oh, brilliant. To increase my coordination, I borrowed from a Daryl Baldock idea, the former St Kilda Premiership captain, champion, right? and I ran repeatedly around the house while bouncing two footies at the same time. I, pro- I improved my leap by adjusting the hill's hoist clothesline higher each time I managed to touch the wire. And even now as I write, I wonder why I wasn't rewarded. It was all to no avail. What you, frustrated you me were the- actually doing as much as an Olympian or a, an elite athlete. I don't get it. What frustrated me most was the fact that the skills I desperately sought were often served up to people who had no wish for them at all. Isn't that the cruel irony of it? Can I tell you my backyard scenario? And it may um, illuminate my dramatic side and and maybe my perversion too. Right. Can can me and the listeners be the judge of this? So uh, you obviously take a spectacular mark deep in the pocket, 50 feet or 10 metres from goal. Uh, is 12, that a correct 12 uh, metres? Is it? No, on. three, three, no, it's 15 metres from goal. Anyway, and you're going for the arcing banana. So I'm on the run down the field. On the run? On the run. So from one corner of the garden, I'm running. Yep. And then I'm felled from behind. Like you like by, you deserve to be by, any given day of your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let you and the listeners decide. I've got that stiffy again. Go on. And, uh, <laughs> so some... Invisible assailant has 
roundhoused me and so I drop in the garden. I'm face down. The commentator's like, Mooney is out for the count. Will he get up? There goes the siren. Whoa. He's pulling himself up like a gladiator, bleeding from above the eye. Phoenix from the flames. Pulls himself up to the roars of the crowd, goes back, lines it up and threads it straight through the middle, being chaired off also to uh, actually call on images of Daryl Baldock here with blood streaming down the side of the face being chaired off the ground. So not only That's a it, hero it, but a bloodied hero. Yeah, a courageous, brave one, a fist magnet. <laughs> I've been a fist <laughs> magnet all of my life and I mean to the head. Yeah. <laughs> the vast majority of that came inside my own home. <laughs> I hope but the, from not from your parents, I hope, at least from your brothers. That's I, kind I of would acceptable. Say fist, but open hand from the old man for sure. Right. Across the head. Tell us a reason. Um, oh. You previously told us a reason why your brother copped one because he insulted the queen. Yeah, I, t- I call my old man a tight ass. Right. Yeah. Uh, there was a spastic society tin. As as it was called back then. Yes. That was the official name the, of what's uh, now become called Scope, I think. It could have been adjusted again. But anyway, yeah. spastic society was, was the, the spastic society. And I shook it in his face and he goes, cut it out. I said, come on, you tight ass. Oh, I put some coins in it. Okay, boom. Right. Yeah, it was on. You hit you whilst you were holding the Spastic Society <laughs> fundraising tin. <laughs> that makes it sound a lot worse <laughs> well, than I'm it was. I'm just trying to I think, clarify. I think, I think you should call your old man a tight ass, but probably uh, maybe explaining to me why he didn't want me shaking that tin in his face might have helped rather than just... But what about out and about, pubs and clubs? Oh, bounces. Just really badly beaten sometimes. Right. Like need assistance. Do you want me to <laughs> tell me to call the cops? No, I'll just make my own way home. <laughs> what the bouncers asking if no, no, st- you wanted- passes by like in the street, bloodied, oh. mangled. Who had or hadn't seen the reason? Who for hadn't that. seen it? You know, just sitting against the wall, Is some it- distance from the pub, yeah. collecting my thoughts. And people were like, "What happened? How many yeah. of them were there?" So, so there's one. I think I called him dirty. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been self-loathing, angry young man. Like why? The, you're, you're, why, would you taunt, why would you taunt someone you obviously, know. obviously stronger than you, who's in a position to assert authority by virtue of their reason for employment? So maybe it's not so much self-loathing, but if I revisit the situation as I have many times in a lot of these things, it's seeing how far I can push it, seeing how far I can go like in before, society, within society's infrastructure. Or yeah, rules yeah, just or, like taunting, or you know kind of bringing it towards you okay, without but, seeing it actually happening. But if you didn't get hit as a result of a remark that is almost guaranteed to see you get hit by a person whose job is to hit <laughs> back then, then what would that have led you to do or feel or think? Probably take an extra step the next time like an adrenaline junkie, you know, like a mountaineer going higher, harder. So all of a sudden there's – but that included – And then what does that achieve? Included that, that included riding on the outside of cars – Sometimes riding on the outside of cars. Oh, you mean sitting with your ass sort of on, on the, the open window frame like a seat? No, sitting on the boot and screaming along on the outside of a car. How do you guarantee to not fall off? On You're a- not. In fact, I did and just terrible. You did fall off? Yeah. Who was driving? Uh, my best mate's brother. And right. he just took off and was like, well, here we go. Right. And there's nothing to hold on to on the boot except the little rims around the back windows. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm off here. And then I tried to launch myself off. 
the off car, the vehicle. You're going. Oh, because if you choose, you're to, traveling sixty kilometers one that's way. Physics, and yes, you've got to be running the same way. <laughs> so you just stop dead, and then kind of like did this big arc straight onto my head and split my head open pretty badly. And luckily, nothing was coming behind to actually run me over. Hospitalized? You must have been full of grog. I couldn't get hospitalized because it was my brother's um, engagement party that night. I'd been enlisted as the barman. And so I went back to this friend's girlfriend's place and she kind of like bathed my head. I was concussed. I was a hole or something. Yeah. And then I fell asleep on the couch and woke up. I was like all sorts of sick. Got to get home. Got to go to my brother's engagement party. By the end of the night, somebody walked around behind me and said, I, I thought I saw your head's bleeding and all your hair's pretty badly matted. And I said, yeah, I got to go home now. Hang on, this happened during the day when you were sober. Yeah, absolutely. It was like, what is wrong with you? Well, that's exactly it. You know, there's maybe self-destructive, but maybe it's just like, how far can we take this? Right. When am I going to either get someone? Are you trying to fight gravity, not just bounces? Everything. Anything. Anything. Right. Back to the book. So my last line was what frustrated me most was the fact that the skills I so desperately sought after were often served up to people who had no wish for them. A kid named Alex Ferrari played for our primary school football side on one occasion when a couple of other kids were away on camp. One of the first kids to have his hair cut in tails, Alex hated the game. But we were desperate to make up the numbers and he was somehow coaxed away from the soccer team that afternoon. We quickly discovered that he was a magnificent mark and an incredible kick. He marked everything that came his way. He kicked six goals and would have kicked even more if he'd known the rules. We had to explain during the game why the man was standing on the mark, how to line up for a shot, how to hold the ball, which kicks to kick which sticks to kick the ball between. The prick was better than us, and we'd been playing all our lives. <laughs> it's galling. It seems so unfair. Now we're onto a sub subtitle of this chapter called The Learning. Sounds like an ABC drama. They're all like the pier, the killing, the tunnel, the bridge, the learning. The looking glass. Yeah, the lake. The wankers. Oh, the learning. Oh, a, the gloaming. A, a young, the Irish poet. Mm. Looking inwardly. At his youthful uh, indiscretions. A young man is killed in a school and the teachers have to find out who, but who is the learning. A young man confronts a security guard at a suburban nightclub. And calls him a dirty <laughs> The learning. Gets <laughs> his head caved in. A young man jumps onto the back of a Mazda 626 and learns about gravity. The learning. <laughs> Weekend footy clinics on our primary school oval were where it all began. Every Saturday morning in midwinter, a small group of devoted dads arrived at the crack of dawn to run us through a series of basic training drills designed to slowly and surely, ideally, improve our coordination. These, of course, were the same dads who always showed up whenever a working bee was arranged. As we arrived in the early morning mist, many of the mums on the sidelines remarked upon the likeness between Wayne Bolte and myself. Wayne and I were classmates with St Kilda in common. Much to my dismay, Wayne and Trevor Barker shared the same birthday. October the 7th, Wayne Bolte. And Trevor. Yep. Wayne went on to play uh, VFA, when it was called VFA, for Oakley as a speedy winger. In the second division. He was a properly good player. Trust my parents not to have consulted the calendar before I was conceived. Why wasn't I born on the same day as Trevor Barker? What's your birthday? 13th of August. Sporting identical haircuts and the same skinny frames, Wayne and I both wore Saints shorts, socks and jumpers with the number one sewn on the back as worn by our preferred player. There, the similarities ended, however, 
for as soon as we started the training session, Wayne's superb silky skills separated us straight away. Fitzroy's Ruckman of the time, who later on went, Ron Alexander. Ron Alexander. Number six. Went on to become uh, West Coast's coach, West Coast Eagles. Ron Alexander appeared at our final footy clinic to hand out participation awards. Mackers. We assumed the word participation referred to a certain degree of skill, but as one kid after another was asked to come up and accept the same certificate, it gradually dawned upon us that these accolades were simply for regular attendance. Though our names were each typed onto a piece of quality cartridge paper, it was all something of a disappointment involving neither happiness nor humiliation for anyone. At the close of proceedings, with 40 to 50 kids having been given their awards, one suddenly burst into tears. Whilst not exactly a star, Justin was as average in ability as any of the boys. However, due to an unfortunate clerical error, his name had escaped the list and so he was left empty-handed. He immediately believed he hadn't made the grade, as did all the other kids all of a sudden. (laughs) If even one person wasn't good enough to pass the test, then obviously the rest of us were. A teacher hurried the devastated youngster away into an office to correct the terrible mistake, but the damage had already been done. Oh, absolutely. He was marked in our eyes for life. The participation award suddenly took on a whole new significance. Despite the adults' explanations, we remained convinced that we were better than somebody else. And Justin's confidence never recovered. Weirdly, he went on to become the Minister for Education in the state government. Who? Ron Alexander? No. <laughs> oh, you're just giving it. Sorry, was that supposed to be an amusing moment? Yeah. I'm, I'm just feeling the, the exaltation. Not Justin's pain. Oh, my, you're still feeling like gain. you made the grade because a clerical error. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take what I can get. I'm grasping at straws. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> Ron Alexander lived near That's our like school. like picking up in a brothel. And <laughs> pretending you're not friend, Pretending that that woman's your girlfriend for an hour. I wouldn't know, Lawrence. I wouldn't have any idea what a brothel is. <laughs> Ron Alexander <laughs> lived near our school and was persistently pestered by neighbourhood footy fanatics. With a few friends in tow, I dutifully... Oh, he lived in Glen Waverley. Yeah. Yeah, no, in... Uh, Lemont Avenue. Uh, with a few friends in tow, I dutifully knocked on his door one afternoon <laughs> during the off-season to ask for an autograph. Undeterred by the sound of Mrs. Alexander saying, Ron, it's another bunch of bloody kids again. We waited until he answered the door and beckoned us through into the back garden where he was enjoying a couple of cold cans with Fitzroy's fullback, Chris Hansen. Even to our young eyes, they seemed extremely well-oiled. <laughs> Both of them signed our books anyway. <laughs> So they're blind in the off season. There's a bunch of strange kids, strange kids asking for autographs. Yeah, why not? That's awesome. Yeah, bring them through, right? Both both of the players signed our books with Ron Alexander saying, "There's a bonus for you, boys. Two blokes for the price of one." Then he burped. It seemed a bit solid, <laughs> and he waved us on our way. It, the moment was an eye opener. It was beyond our comprehension that footy players might also be someone's father, brother, husband, son. That they were as liable to maintain a marriage as the next man who had to remember to make the car repayments on time had never entered our heads. Surely these men were superhuman. None of us mentioned what was on our minds. It was better, we felt, to forget the facts with which we'd just been confronted. It wasn't the first time I'd actively, I'm still on the book, avoided the truth. Mum once took me to Brandon Park Shopping Centre to see Humphrey B. Bear. I must have been four years old. As he lifted me up for a cuddle, I polished his nose with my hanky. And the mums swooned as one. As Humphrey bent down to lower me to the ground, I saw a man inside his black mesh eye holes. (laughs) 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 I'm 
my stomach sunk just then. Oh, oh my stomach sunk as it did at the so, time. You polish his nose and then all of a sudden, what's inside oh, him? Yeah. How can what? How can this possibly be? <laughs> <laughs> Either I refuse to accept what I'd just seen or it was too confusing for my oh. young mind to manage. But given the choice, I went with fiction and ignored the fact. Humphrey remained real and <laughs> does to this day. I don't care what you say. That you just ignored it. <laughs> Can you imagine having oh. to try and comprehend that whole what? So we're at uh, Doncaster Shopping Town uh, and it was like a brand new world. It was pre-Westfield Westfield, right? Yeah, it was pre-Westfield. It was Doncaster Shopping Town. It had this kind of funky um, sculpture on one wall that was driven by wind and water. Anyway, we went to see Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. The movie? No, pantomime at the shopping centre. Oh. And I'm a, you know, seven-year-old or eight-year-old and, you know, Snow White comes out and it's like, oh, I'm, you know. Um, Snow White. Snow White. And uh, <laughs> I don't know how the story goes. Oh, yeah, the, the, the Wicked Witch comes out. I oh, know the evil princess and says, no, no, the queen and says, uh, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? It's Snow White. And then he, she gets a, somebody to take an apple to Snow White and poisons her. Snow White passes out, uh, poisoned, and out they come. The seven dwarfs. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's, it's off, off to work, work we go. go. Yep. Da -lum -lum -dum -da -lum. And out they come and it's like, oh, my God. I turn around to my mum and she's like, yeah, this is real. That's Snow White. And, oh my God, they're dwarfs, they're dwarfs. And, uh, and you know. <laughs> There's Doc and Bashful and Sleepy and Sneezy and Happy yep. and Dopey. Uh, That's an incredible feat to name all seven dwarfs in a row without missing one. Bashful, sne Sneezy, Sleepy, Doc, Dopey. Anyway. Keep going with the story, not the names. Snow White, happily ever after. Um, the prince comes along, kisses her. She comes back to life happily ever after. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work, we go, end of the show. And I am blown away. This is like, I want to go in there, I want to be with those people, I want this. So uh, the crowd's kind of breaking up. How are we at 27? <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, contravening my AVO. I'd seen the show 14 <laughs> times that season. Dopey particularly. Once, by, but once through binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly through night vision goggles. And... Uh, <laughs> so the crowd's breaking up. Obviously, they've got another show coming up, and so they've gone backstage and they're changing. And I break away from my mum. I go around behind the stage. I want to see where this land is, where these people, are they living in the enchanted <laughs> forest? And I see a dwarf, and he's come out and he's just leaning against the back of the set and he's smoking a cigarette. You could smoke indoors in those days. This is a person really born with dwarfism, if that's yes, the phrase. Yes, one of the an actor playing one not of the a dwarfs. Short, not a short adult, no. not a child. Right. He is a man with dwarfism, and uh, he's having a cigarette. And I come face to face with this man, and he just doesn't say anything. And I just go, "Mom, <laughs> mom!" And he, I'm just yelling for that, dobbing. No, like just scared. I, no, I found one. <laughs> I. I found up. a smoking Shut one. Mum! Shut up. And my mum comes around <laughs> no. and the guy's like, can you please? Yeah. And Behave. she drags me off and it's like, no, but it's one of them. Hey! <laughs> like I couldn't comprehend yeah. what was going on. Yeah. But it's just like come face to face. <laughs> He's staring into my eyes. I'm staring into his and it's like, do, 
do I own him? <laughs> is he mine now? As if you could afford one at that age. <laughs> well, Snow White had seven. Yeah. Why can't I have one? <laughs> Why can't I have Smokey? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that'll do us, Lawrence Mooney, for today. I am having a ball, so uh, please join us on the next episode and tell your friends. Bring some friends along. Thanks for joining us. Okay, if you haven't given us a rate and review, now's the time. We're counting on you.